0: You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the
1: latest info and behind the scenes juice on Zach's upcoming season of The Bachelor and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now here's Reality Steve.
0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 322. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Got a good show for you today. One of my favorite guests to have on, and that is Susanna Summers. You know her better, as Bachelor Data on Instagram. We got a lot to talk about with Zach's season starting Monday, including her major injury since she was last on the show. We'll talk about that in the first 10 minutes of the podcast, and then we get into all the nuts and bolts of Instagram and followers and all that stuff. Really good conversation with Susanna coming up momentarily. This podcast is brought to you by Green Chef. Green Chef makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. Whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking to eat more balanced meals, Green Chef offers recipes to suit your preferences. If you're talking about variety, they're now offering 10-minute lunches. Each week's menu includes two convenient low-prep and nutritious lunch recipes ready in just 10 minutes, no cooking required. Perfect. When you're on the go or pressed for time at the office, eat well at lunchtime, too, Like I said, it is the number one meal kit for eating well. As the only keto meal kit, Green Chef makes sticking to carb-conscious lifestyle easy. You know my favorite one. The brown butter pork chops, I said I made it over Christmas break. It was outstanding. It took me about... 27 minutes to make i timed it because i wanted to beat the 30 minutes that are on the recipe thing and it is really easy to follow the directions are all right there it comes with mashed potatoes maple glazed apples and carrots and toasted pecans i left the pecans out not a huge pecan fan but the maple glazed apple and carrots plus the mashed potatoes make this one of the best meals on their menu check it out the brown butter pork chops you'll love it from green chef and because you are a listener to this podcast Green Chef's hooking you up, I'm telling you. they go to greenchef.com slash realitysteve60, use code realitysteve60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. That's greenchef.com slash realitysteve60, use code realitysteve60 to get 60% off plus free shipping. Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. So before we get the conversation with Susanna, got some things to talk about in regards to yesterday's podcast on the Daily Roundup. Um, And if you didn't listen to the Daily Roundup, yes, for the first time since November 15th, there is a column on my website and it is all your updated spoilers, all the things that I have added since the November 15th update, which was everything up to the final three, which is Katie, Ariel, and Gabby this season. I found Mm -hmm. some things out about what happens on the first night. I found some things that happen in... While they're still in L.A., I also found some things out while they had travel overseas. I had a correction to make from yesterday. I did say that uh, in the preview, you see someone taking a nap on the steps at the mansion. It's definitely Christina Mandrell. I actually said yesterday in the spoilers that it happened on night one. No, that's from episode three. Because it happened during the pool party, just wanted to make that correction. Um, the other addendums that I added in the daily roundup today was um, I also know that Kylie uh, got eliminated in London, so we do have two women eliminated in London. That's Mercedes and Kylie. So now I know that we know the nine people that went to Estonia. Your final four, which is Charity, Gabby, Katie, and Ariel. And then the five others that are left, let's see if I can do this off the top of my head. Brooklyn, Allie, Jess, Catherine, and Greer. Those are your nine that go to Estonia. The thing that happened in London that I don't know, I know it shaped the rest of the season. It's an incident that happened. I know a lot of guesses from you guys yesterday. The number one, the only guess I got yesterday was people saying, oh, this must have to do with the Queen dying. And no, that's not it because the queen died on September 8th and they didn't go to London until uh, October. So that eliminated that. Like I said, I wasn't told exactly what it is or else I would have, you know, told you. Um, I was just told that this was directly related to bachelor production, the lead, the contestants, the crew had nothing to do with something that was an external source. So Just keep that in mind. I don't know what it is. Hopefully, I'll find out by the time episode five rolls around, which is when they go to London. First three episodes are in LA. Fourth episode is Bahamas. Fifth episode is London. Sixth, Estonia. And seventh is Budapest. So, just keep that in mind. I've got a month to try and... I don't think I'm going to figure it out. It's just going to be told to me or it's not. And there is a slight possibility when they do give their promo for the season, now knowing to look for something that possibly goes down in London, maybe they'll give it away in the trailer for the season. It's certainly possible. They've given other stuff away in past seasons. Uh, You've been able to figure out certain things and where certain dates are taking place. Because all you got to do is hit pause on your television and look with your own two eyes. Not hard to figure out. But for something like this, where we know something happens in London that kind of shapes the rest of the season, and also where it canceled a group date and a one-on-one date, because we know the only thing that happens in London is Gabby's one-on-one, and everything else was canceled, and like I said, it was something that was unplanned, and the producers had to think on the fly, so I don't know what it is. Hopefully, I'll find out sooner rather than later, so keep that in mind. Also, um, I go over a couple of things, television shows, reality shows, all this stuff on today's Daily Roundup. In addition, we also have the sports daily for those tuning in for the first time. I started a sports podcast on the first Monday of 2023. It's there every day. So I'm doing 11 podcasts a week now, five daily roundups, Monday through Friday, five sports dailies, Monday through Friday, and then your regular Thursday podcast where I interview somebody. So a lot more work for me. And then next week, not only will I still have the 11 podcasts, but you're back to your columns recaps on Tuesdays read her emails on Wednesdays, and then your three podcasts on Thursdays. So getting to be busy season. You know, when this ended, when Bachelor in Paradise ended right before uh, Thanksgiving, you were just like, wow, we just had a lot of consecutive programming on The Bachelor. Well, now we had their basically the last nine weeks off, and it all starts back up again this Monday when Zach's uh, season premieres. Also in the reality TV world, I wanted to let you know about this, two shows that I want you to check out. If you love The Housewives, you need to get ready for some Real House Guys, because Friday nights on MTV are getting fabulous. Tomorrow, at 9, 8 central, MTV is taking you inside the lives of six fierce West Hollywood friends on the Real Friends of WeHo. Like celeb stylist Brad Goreski, go inside his marriage and see a side of himself you can't miss. Performer extraordinaire, former Big Brother player Todric Hall, ready to tell his side of the story. Television superhost James Vaughn taking his career to the next level. Rising actor Curtis Hamilton, boss CEO Dorian Renaud, and major social media influencer Joey, Zau- Joey Zausig. Watch as they balance life in the spotlight and give a true VIP access into their lifestyles, their ambition, and all the shade that you can handle. Don't miss The Real Friends of WeHo!, all part of MTV's new Friday nights after RuPaul's Drag Race tomorrow night, 9, 8 central on MTV. And also, if you love Jersey Shore, then get ready because this season is going to be the biggest family vacation ever. On Jersey, January 26th, next Thursday, the family is traveling shore to shining shore but don't worry no matter where they go they're born to be jersey they're hitting up hollywoods to support vinny as he takes his talents from vegas to Dancing with the stars then they're cruising to the carolinas for a big situation as mike competes in the cornhole championship and it all leads up to a big trip to the big easy where the fam jerseys up bourbon street don't miss your favorites fist pump their way across the usa and be there for all the meatball milestones. We're talking pregnancy announcements and even an engagement. You don't want to miss this. Make sure to watch Jersey Shore Family Vacation. New season premieres next Thursday, January 26th at 8, 7 central on MTV. All right, let's get going. Here we go. Podcast number 322. All right, let's bring her in. Uh, You know her as Bachelor D. Data data on <laughs> on Instagram. She is a multi-time guest on this podcast. It is Susanna Summers. Susanna, how are you?
1: I'm good. It's so great to be back. Thanks for having me. How are
0: you doing today? I'm doing good. Um, the one thing we got to talk about before we get into all of this stuff about Zach season and the women and the, all the research you've been doing and gathering and the info that you've been gathering on this season is since we last spoke, you've had a major change in your life. I think two major changes. Number one, you moved. And number two, I guess because of that move and where you were, you ended up tearing your ACL and you've been dealing with that. So kind of tell everybody what's been going on in your life in the last three months.
1: Yeah, so uh, this last summer we moved from Boston to Denver and my boyfriend and I are huge skiers. I learned to ski with him. She's almost eight years ago now in New England, and if anybody here has ever been skiing or snowboarding in New England, it is basically ice skating because conditions are horrible. So it had always been our dream to move here to Denver, and we made it happen. We bought both the Epic and the Icon ski passes. We were so ready for an amazing season, and our season started on Halloween. Like That's how early it starts out here. And our fourth ski day, um, we were skiing on a Wednesday at Copper Mountain. A 50 um, something year old guy took me out from behind. If you don't ski or snowboard, basically, um, the, the person who has the right of way on the mountain is the person in front because you don't have eyes on the back of your head. So if somebody's skiing down behind you, it's their job to avoid you. Um, this guy came from behind and took me out and it was a pretty violent accident, tore my ACL, my meniscus in two different areas and my MCL and my LCL. So that happened the week before the bachelor in paradise finale. Um, yeah. So at the time it felt like horrible timing, but in hindsight, it was actually a blessing because my surgery was during this off season and looking back, especially on the first like two to three weeks of post surgery, I don't know how I would have covered the show. And also have been dealing with all of that. So, definitely on the mid now. So excited to finally be walking again, and so close to ditching my crutches. But it has been, it has been, it's been a rough two months.
0: Was this guy who took you out? Was he going at a crazy ass speed, and was he being reckless, or it, he just didn't see you? Did he, did he even stop and see how you were?
1: Yeah. So it, I'm going to explain in case anybody doesn't know how like skiing or snowboarding works there's a green like, a like blue a black and double black <laughs> and um i was on a blue but there are certain runs on a ski mountain that are also a yellow run which is considered a slow zone and a family zone um and that's the run that we were on so this guy was going way too fast and he was a snowboarder no hates of snowboarders um but he was going too fast and he wasn't able to stop himself um he had plenty of space to to stop my boyfriend was behind me so he saw the whole thing happen um and luckily here in Colorado it's actually against the law if you hit somebody to flee the scene it's kind of like a hit and run with cars so he did stick around which is great news for us moving forward because it makes things a little bit easier with you know handling all of the finances around the injury and everything but it was very much his fault and it was uh, he 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 climbs back up but for me basically when i was hit i slid down 20 30 feet and my left ski didn't pop off which is what caused a lot of the injuries was that sliding with it on the other guy he hit me so hard and so fast that he ended up at the bottom of the hill which was really far
0: so i don't know anything about any of this but now that you bring it up, now it brings me to a question. like does this may seem some like a stupid question, but does he pay for something like this? Does he have to foot some of the bill for your injury? How does it work?
1: Yeah, so it's it's we still haven't really pursued that side of things. Um, there's like entire law firms that handle that out here in Colorado that're just specialized in ski accidents. Um, so we're still pursuing our options and like figuring out getting different legal advice. but technically, yes, it is his fault. So um, we'll see how it all pans out. It's Mm. it's so tough, though, because just like mentally, it has been like so difficult since the accident. And I've lost like for so many weeks, I just didn't have any creativity in me because it was just like pain, ice, physical therapy. And then I finally got to surgery. And then post-surgery was just like meds, pain, sleep, exercises, ice, pain, you know, like there's just no time to to think about anything. So now that we're kind of getting back up on our feet, we're, we're finally starting to pursue all that.
0: Well, I mean, I'm glad you're, you're on the mend. Uh, don't forget the, uh, the no shower part of it. We're, we're the no shower <laughs> brother, sister here because look for people, uh, people that have listened to me know that I tore my Achilles back in August and you know, I'm on the mend as well. And you and I, Discussed briefly before coming on here how just difficult it is the everyday tasks when you have basically one leg. You know, you can't stand, which means you can't take a shower standing up. You have to sit in the shower. To get over to the shower is not easy. To maneuver within a shower is not easy. That's been the most difficult part for me. And, you know, when you and I were talking, I was like, and I brought it up to you. I was like, look, I'm by myself, so I don't live with anybody. And I get to a point where, I'm like, look, I'm not going out. I'm not going anywhere because I'm injured. No one is seeing me outside of family, and showering is the most difficult daily process for me. So, what what am I going to do to alleviate that? I'm just going to take as few showers as possible. And I was taking literally one shower a week, and you basically said, "Yeah, me too." I mean, that's that was the tough part. And you know, it might sound weird to people, but really, if you if you haven't had a lower extremity injury, trust me, you're going to want to do as little as you can <laughs> to avoid that. And showers was one of the things that kind of had to sacrifice in the beginning. But like I said, it's not like I was going out. I was meeting people. I was hanging out with people. I didn't leave my house for literally two weeks.
1: Yeah, we got really lucky, though. I found this like amazing thread on an online forum of like everything you should consider getting before ACL surgery. And one of the suggestions was to install a bidet, which was honestly life changing with like this whole process, because like most people think like, oh, we'll just get in the shower and just like wash your body off. Just don't do your hair. And it's like, no, like just to get in the shower, it's like 20 minutes. Like <laughs> it used to take me 20 minutes to get in the shower, do my whole thing, get out. Like it's everything now takes like double, triple the time. But I will say one of the silver linings that come out of this is just like, my utter gratefulness and appreciation for my body. Like I am never going to take my body for granted a single day ever again. <laughs> like yeah. ever.
0: Yeah. Um, It is, it is amazing. And it made me think, you know, like my injury was, it was bad. And, you know, obviously couldn't put any pressure on it. Couldn't stand in a shower and I had to the shower getting in and out of the shower was very difficult, but it made me think of, okay, what about when I'm 75 or 80? And, you know i have way less uh strength to do any of this stuff and i might you know will i have somebody there to to help me because i didn't i was able to do it on my own the first couple showers um uh i had my 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 dad was in the other room just in case i fell like you know cuz i didn't know cuz i had to wheel my scooter on one knee over to the shower kind of hop in Pull myself onto a chair, just, you know, I didn't know if I was going to slip on, you know, the wet shower bottom, you know, I didn't know. So he was outside and, you know, was just listening just in case, but um, didn't have any, didn't have any falls, didn't have any accidents or anything like that. But, you know, it makes you think like, wow, when we get older, kind of need somebody there. Uh, Like, how how am I going to get around doing this stuff?
1: Yeah, it's, it's been really eye opening. I like have never I mean, I've been with my boyfriend for eight years now, our anniversary was actually like, right after my surgery. And I <laughs> we both like completely forgot because we were like, so consumed with everything. <laughs> but I have, like, I obviously love my boyfriend been there for eight years. But this whole process has just made me fall in love with him so much more just because, like, the amount of his life that he's had to, you know, take to take care of me and just like the smallest acts of like thinking about making me, you know, feel more comfortable and everything. Like it's, it's just been wild. I've become so much more grateful for just like the smallest things. Like right now it's snowing here in Denver and like, I'm just grateful to see the snow falling from my, my sofa chair and you know, just the smallest things.
0: When, when was your accident? What was the date of it?
1: November 16th.
0: Okay. Why don't you tell everybody who the first person to text you who just happened to text you after your accident was.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like, so the, the accident happened. My boyfriend skied down and he was like, what can I do? And I was like, go get ski patrol. And we didn't know, like we needed to have their phone numbers in our phones. We've learned now. And then a few people stopped to like make sure I was okay. The other guy came up and I was like, okay, I checked my back. My back's okay. Kicked my head, no concussion. All right, I'm good. And then I tried to move my leg and I was like, oh, that's not good. That really hurts. So then I take my phone out to kind of just like distract myself and a few people had circled around me so nobody would hit me. So I take out my phone and I see a text from you asking for some data on like, I think contestant ages or something. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, not right now. <laughs> and then I, I, just, I just replied to be like, I just got in a ski accident, I'll reply later. <laughs>
0: So I, I'm lo- I I I wanted to ask you that so you could I could give you some time to answer so I could pull up my phone and see so the text I sent on November sixteenth that was the, that was the time of your accident right the sixteenth
1: yeah
0: I wrote I need to know how many of the pleases were by NC ninety nine percent of them so oh that was when um what was NC Oh, when NC and was wanted Andrew Andrew to stick around, and she was obviously pretty drunk, and she just kept saying please over and over again. And you were doing you know your word searches for all the word you know the most common words said in every episode. And I was like, how many of the pleases were NC? Ninety nine percent of them, and you didn't respond. And then you uh, came back the next day and said, sorry for the late reply. I got in a ski accident yesterday. Yeah, so that's where it was. There's me asking about, hey, can you give me how many pleases NC had? And here you are with a torn ACL. Uh, anyway. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, that's 10 minutes on ski talk and ACL talk. Um, let's get to uh, Zach's season. Now, you are going to start coming out with stuff for Zach's season heading into the premiere on Monday. Just off the top, um, the women's Instagram accounts to start this season – in terms of where they're at follower wise, has it been just eyeballing it? Same as past seasons, a lot low, a lot more of them are a lot lower or uh, we have some, some standouts there. What has been it looking like just eyeballing it without, you don't have to pull up the exact data, but when you were looking at all these girls and where they are at follower wise, where are we at with them?
1: I'd say 90% of the cast is what we traditionally see. Yeah. You know, it's people with 10,000 or under, you know, nothing too special. Um, I am so excited about this cast, though, because I feel like there's some really exciting people to watch on social media and and I'll definitely get into that. But the person I find most fascinating that I think flew under a lot of people's radars, including myself, was Victoria J because on instagram which is the first thing i look up whenever all the cast is all the contestants are released yeah i saw 121,000 followers and i was like okay so this girl already has a decent following uh-uh she has almost a million followers on tiktok mm. a million followers she has like 900 something thousand and i'm so excited because she is the first person breaking the stereotype of you know a lot of people really get frustrated about people going on the show for the wrong reasons and i've ranted about this before but people have never gone on this show for the right reasons you know it's back in the early days people went on the show to become models actors uh tv hosts i mean look at jesse palmer he was the bachelor and then became a you know espn anchor yeah and You know, recently, everybody's like, oh, well, the women just go on this show to become influencers. And it's like, well, if you didn't want to be in the public eye, why would you apply for a public TV show that's watched by millions of people? Why? (laughs) Yeah. You know, so... um, But what I think is really interesting about Victoria is that we all know the contracts that these people sign are insane. Insane. And they cannot do influencer ads anything like that until i think it's like 3 months after the show finishes airing. So when you look at somebody like Victoria J who is already a full-time influencer and i'm speaking from my own experience i have 130,000 followers. I'm self-employed. I don't have a boss. I've already like made a living off of just 130,000 followers. I look at Victoria who has almost a million followers on TikTok. And I'm wondering, she's losing money by going on this show. And there's no way that anybody on this season is going to hit a million followers anymore, anywhere. Like nobody will. You know, there's been a huge decline in Instagram and more reality TV shows than ever these days that naturally you're just not going to gain as many followers going on the show. So I think Victoria is the first person to put that stereotype as that you know, that complaint aside because she's losing money going on the show. And I really don't think it's going to benefit her.
0: Yeah. Because if she has to wait three months after the show is done airing. So we're looking at, you know, she's not going to be able to do anything social media wise to promote or do ads or whatever, I guess until this summer. And in this summer, she, I mean, look, we don't know who the bachelor in paradise cast is, but for someone who is eliminated early, like she is, I have a sense that she's probably going to be a paradise uh, girl this season. She just seems to just looking at her Instagram, looking at her social media, she seems to have the personality for it. And I can totally see her on it. Maybe I'm dead wrong. And maybe she's just a zero in the two episodes that she's on this season and and she won't be on it. I don't know. But it sounds like the fact that she did get some national publicity because of the way she introduced her divorce uh, as part of the bachelor launch and all that stuff it seems like the show would want to take advantage of that but um you know we never know what the show is choosing to do with their contestants um you know something I think
1: that- it's deeper than that though i mean if you look at her content engagement on tiktok her content is doing 10 times better than anything bachelors putting out like in terms of views likes comments like she is promoting the show better than the show promotes themselves like if they're if they have half a brain, they will put her on paradise and they will keep her as long as they can on paradise yeah
0: no it, it makes it, it makes sense and you know some people will look at that negatively some people will think it's great and look at it positively. I think this is the one thing that you and I have talked about before and it's almost like nowadays because the fan base is so turned off by the influencer culture and let's face it let's be dead honest and call it what it is people that are upset about women that go on the show and let's face it it is women more so than men because instagram is is more of a female dominated app and that's where a lot of women are making more money on on instagram than than the men are from this franchise but i think there is a sense of jealousy because why would you care what someone else does with their life? I, I There's no other thing that sticks out to me than you don't like the fact that somebody can now quit their job and become an influencer or a content creator because it doesn't affect your life. What What do you care that so-and-so now gets to quit her job and make, you know, 20 grand a month, 30 grand a month being an influencer because she was on this show. Like, that just yeah. reeks of jealousy to me. There's no other way to describe it. The only re- the only reason they're getting hate is because people are jealous of it. Because I'm guessing these people that are all calling out contestants for being influencers and content creators and whatever, it's I guarantee all those people have eight to five jobs that don't pay twenty to thirty thousand dollars a month. It's my guess.
1: I think. I think there's a lot of misdirection of the frustration too because i think people look at like the biggest hit right now on tiktok is this girl named alex earl who goes to university of miami yeah she's currently on a trip flying first class with emirates with tarte cosmetics and this girl's making fifty thousand dollars per ad like and people are really frustrated and there's a lot of reasons to be frustrated but i think a lot of people are really frustrated because of Like, there's a lot of systems that are broken in the United States. Like, look at myself. I left education. I quickly left the classroom. I started as an elementary teacher in Austin, Texas. And I was like, I can't live on this salary in in a very expensive city, which was back in 2014. It's only gotten worse. So I tried to start moving up the ladder within education to try to, you know, get to a point where I could make better money for myself. But then I was killing myself and my mental health went downhill. I was never seeing my boyfriend. I, geez, when I moved to Boston the first two years, I didn't even have time to make friends. Like, because my my job was so consuming that I left education. Like, it's just a broken system. There's tons of people who are leaving nursing, there's tons of people leaving being doctors. I mean, I just saw a rant on TikTok of people being like, can everybody stop being influencers? Like, we need electricians. And it's like, Well, if somebody is an electrician and they're not happy with their life and they figure out another way to make more money by working less, everybody would take that. Like everybody, the goal is nobody wants to work their life away, you know? And I think it's just like a misdirection of hate that it's like, and I I think there's different levels of, of frustration. Like there are certain contestants that you look at them and they just don't make good content and they just put out like ads nonstop. And it's not fun to follow them. But I think that this cast is going to be really interesting because we're seeing them making good content already that I'm wondering if it might, you know, redirect some of that frustration because a lot of people, I don't know, between like Colton season and Peter, that was like the height of Instagram. People would gain tens of thousands of followers for simply existing on this show. You didn't need screen time and you'd go home like week four and you'd leave with 40,000 followers look at Zach. He's got like 67,000 followers and he's the bachelor now, you know? (laughs) And to be fair, I think there's also a lot of frustration. You know, a lot of people like, I'm not going to watch Zach is so boring, blah, blah, blah. Zach is like the least influencer kind of guy. He's like putting no effort into his social media. Like his social media presence is utter crap, you know? (laughs) Um, But I think people are are frustrated for different reasons, but I just, I've never understood the frustration even before, you know, I was able to quit my job to do this full time. You know, I think it's, it's a misdirection of frustration because they see the influencer as the problem when it's, you know, they're just working with brands who already have this money and they were going to pay it to somebody to market their product. And now it's just going to influencers who or influencers are technically small businesses. Like they are typically a team of maybe one to maybe three people. Like, Um, you know, it's just marketing money and it's kind of like frustrations around the NFL. It's like these NFL players get paid millions of dollars and people get frustrated. It's like, well, why do sports players get paid so much? We need to pay doctors more. We need to pay teachers more. Um, it's a broken system.
0: (laughs) I mean, but like you said, like if (laughs) it's the way I've always looked at it, look, if somebody is willing to pay it, then Somebody's worth it. Like you'd be like, oh, they're not worth that. Well, if somebody's willing to pay it and the check doesn't bounce, then yes, they are worth it, whether you like it or not. And um I think it's out there to where this show, as we know, and you've documented well documented all the Instagram followers, and now, like you said, TikTok is becoming an even bigger thing and Instagram is kind of fallen by the wayside. It's not even a big deal anymore on Instagram because the way to make money is TikTok and some of them are doing better content over there. I only follow the ones on TikTok. They will show up sometimes on my for you page on when I scroll or on Instagram. They will show up on my for you page when I scroll on TikTok. I'll see some of the women from Zach Season on there, but I don't follow any of them. I still mm-hmm. only follow on Instagram. So I haven't noticed who's a good content creator and who isn't. I did notice Victoria Jameson's has put some stuff out that's you know humorous and stuff like that. It's not just, hey, here's an ad for this, and here's an ad for that. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's – look, it, people just have to accept it. I mean, yeah, we weren't talking about this in 2010 because it wasn't a thing. This is now a thing. This is part of what the show is, and if you can't accept that, I guess I would just say watch another show or something. I don't know, but this is who the people are, and I, these women are going on the show all knowing the success – of the Caitlin Bristow's before them, the Alif the Rachel Lindsay's. I mean, they've seen what can happen. The Ashley Iaconetti's they've seen
1: work hard. Yeah. Yeah.
0: They've seen it's possible to actually go on the show, make a significant impact. So it means you got to last fairly decent. And even if you don't, you got a second chance going down to paradise and possibly lasting a decent amount of time down there and just, Getting enough to where, yeah, you can quit whatever job you're in. We've seen so many people do it, and like you said, the frustrations, I don't don't really get it. I don't get why people get mad at them for quitting their job and going back and trying to make a better life for themselves and trying to make more money. I know Michelle Young got a ton of shit. I remember when Michelle Young was named The Bachelorette, and then all of a sudden, after her season was done filming, everyone was like, oh, she's, you know— michelle queen she would never quit teaching she's she doesn't seem like that influencer type now look at her definitely left teaching but can you blame her michelle left teaching i mean she didn't say it in her departure from teaching but we all know she left teaching because there's no money in it of course she can make way more money you know hosting a bachelor podcast doing ads doing you know showing up at events doing all this stuff she left teaching because there's no money in it and um, and it's, uh, and, 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 it sucks for teachers cause maybe she was a great teacher and her students probably loved her, but she's doing what's best for her and for people to get mad at that or be like, there's no way she would. That's just, that's just wrong. Yeah. There's no other way to look at it in my eyes. I mean, um, now I want to talk about the, um, something that happened recently, which I didn't realize it happened until you pointed it out. The bachelor ABC account is now tagging their own contestants, which is something that I guess I didn't realize that they were doing or not doing. And now they are talk about how important that is for the show and why it took them so long to even do it. And were you the reason that they started doing this?
1: <laughs> oh man. So if you, if you don't follow my account, basically the day that they dropped the cast earlier in January, it was January 4th. I came down with strep throat that day and I worked really hard. I was like pushing through the fever to like get the content out that day. And then that night I hit 103 degree, 103 degree fever and sustained it for three and a half hours with Aleve ibuprofen ice packs on my head. And You know, I use social media as a way to just fill time and whatnot. So I decided to go on a fever rant and complain about things about the franchise and what they need to fix. (laughs) And something that has always frustrated me about this franchise, especially when you look at others, and it's not just dating shows. It's like if you look at Love is Blind or, you know, all these other shows, they tag their contestants on social media and The Bachelor does it. They tag their lead. They tag their host. And they tag any special guests, like if Mila Kunas and As- Ashton Kutcher show up, they will tag them on social media. Contestants, no, no, never. They don't tag them. Um, and I was like, this is really not smart, <laughs> you know? Like, first off, the contestants are your asset. They are the majority of the screen time in every episode, and you're not advertising them. And it- it's like it needs to be a symbiotic relationship. You tag them. Give them the followers of people who are already on your page where you have 1.2, 1.3 million followers. Direct your audience to their page because when we watch this show, we all have our favorites. So if you can get me to follow a contestant and then that contestant promotes the show, symbiotic relationship, it is a win-win for the franchise, but they have never done that. They only do it for Paradise. Um, So I basically went on this fever rant and then Literally, I think it was yesterday or the day before. Lo and behold, they put out a post of, of a, like three or four contestants in a limo and they start to tag them. <laughs> and I will say, I'm not the first person to say this. I've ranted about this before. There are other accounts that have also complained about this. But I do think that they, you know, this show started 20, is it 20 something years ago? 20 years ago?
0: Let's see. Um, 02 or o three? Yeah. o two or o three? Yeah.
1: 20 years ago and I think they're really set in their ways and I I think a lot back to Caitlin Bristow talking about how Mike Fleiss wouldn't let her go on dancing with the stars and I wonder like how much of this is like people internally really trying to like hold on to control versus just like changing with the times Um, so like I you know if it was my page that influenced them that'd be amazing I don't think it was their strategy Because if it had been their strategy, they would have included their handles in the contestant announcement, um, which would be the most, like, sensible time to release them. Um, But I hope they're starting to listen to uh, the audience. Like, we've been complaining for years about stuff, and they need to listen to the people who are sticking around through, you know, frustrations around race, through frustrations around bad leads that have been chosen, like... If we are still here, like, listen to us. We are your core fans.
0: Well, there's something that, obviously, I've been critical of the show for years. It's been my job, and that's what I do is to be critical. And I don't care to offer suggestions on how to make it better. I'm, I'm glad that you do because, however, there is one thing that I spoke about with you, and I've kind of brought it up, was this launch now that they do, the live cast announcement. They've done it for a few years now. Chris Harrison did it for a couple, a few seasons as well. And it was always on Twitter and it was the same thing. 30 minutes of Chris basically just reading the bios off of the page because the bios come up and then Chris just reads it. And I'm like, okay, this is for the people who weren't paying attention back in September when they release them on the Facebook page. And within 24 hours, all their first and last names and their Instagram accounts are, are found by, you know, me and, you know, others on the internet. And, they're out there, but that's such a small percentage of their audience. Really, when they did that launch a couple of weeks ago, that's when a majority of their audience is like, okay, Bachelor, back on the air. It's coming in two weeks. Can't wait. And I just think it's just a waste of time for them to do it the way they've been doing it. And I thought one of the really good ways for they to to improve that is instead of Jesse just being like, All right, let's start at A, uh Allie, 25 from Atlanta, Georgia, and she does this and and all he's doing is reading her bio off the page not really offering any new information. Um, why not have those women back in September when they're in quarantine or not quarantine, but sequestered before they film the show in their hotel room. Why not have them introduce themselves and cut a 32nd to one minute video. And even the producers who want of obviously ultimate control, like you said, you know, they can tinker with the editing of that 30 to one minute clip of each woman saying their name, where they're from, their job, why they're there, some turn-ons, turn-offs, first date experiences, whatever. 30 seconds to a minute, instead of Jesse just telling us their name and showing us a screenshot of their headshot and their bio stuff. You know, like, why not go that route? It'd be so much more interesting, because you're tuning into the cast announcement, and this would be a, your way to see, like, oh, this is what she looks like, this is how she talks, this is how she handles herself. Her seems simple. Yeah, her personality. It seems so simple, but... They've never done it. I don't know if they will.
1: Yeah, it's like everybody always wants more intro packages to get to know the contestants. It's like if somebody, if part of your audience is so dedicated, why not, you know, give them more of what they already like during that premiere episode? Give them more of that rather than just like a host reading from a piece of paper. And I think something else that they really messed up with on that, that announcement is that they moved it exclusively over to TikTok. Which shows that they recognize that they need to start embracing TikTok because it's the primary platform, but they should have just a pre-recorded it so they wouldn't have tech issues, but yeah. B, they should have streamed it to Facebook, they should have streamed it to Instagram, they should have streamed it to TikTok and Twitter. Like they should have supported their audiences on all their platforms because this the show's 20 years old and there's still people who watched the show when Andrew Firestone was the Bachelor and they're still watching. And there's a good chance that those people are Instagram and Facebook users because of their age. Yeah, Um, They they can't forget about their core audience while also trying to embrace bringing in new people. But I think they, they need to embrace TikTok. They need to embrace their contestants. And I think something that I think of is Taylor, who just won Big Brother. I look at her in the way that she talks about CBS and how they treat her. And I think about how... No one, no one from the Bachelor franchise talks that way. Not even ones that are still under contract doing the remaining two official podcasts. Like, you don't hear them raving about the network and how they're treated the way that Big Brother contestants generally do. Like, Taylor came off of her show, and I remember listening to her doing a podcast. I don't remember if it was Game of Roses. I think she she went on your podcast too, right? Yeah. Yeah, I remember her talking about, like, how CBS is really helping her and asking her what her goals are. If she wants to do hosting gigs and like they are trying to help her, which is great because she's the winner of their season. Like they should be helping these contestants with their growth goals because if they like ABC, they're going to talk well and promote casting for the show. But all the people come off this show hating production.
0: Unless you are a, someone who gets a, pristine edit and you don't want to rock the boat and you want to stay in good graces and be on paradise because i think a lot of contestants know regardless of the nda you don't want to get on their bad side because then it's going to limit opportunities for you anybody that comes off the show and says oh i hated my producer i hated this i hated that this is not the way it went you know, probably isn't getting asked to do Paradise. And let's face it, a lot of these women, because only one out of 30 is going to end up winning this thing, 29 of them are now looking to, how do I extend this? How do I build my brand? Well, it would help if I got on another show, and we know that other show is Paradise. So you're just not going to have a lot of people attacking this show. And I get it, but there are plenty of contestants that don't like Things that happened on this show, but are afraid to speak out because they know it's also kind of where their bread is buttered and where they can kind of advance their career doing this stuff. I know that you one of the things that you did and and put on an Instagram story recently was the ages of these women, because it seems like every time the cast comes out, everyone's like, oh, my God, a bunch of a bunch of little girls that aren't even ready to get married and stuff like that. But I mean, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's such a it's such a weird argument to make because if anybody has actually looked at the average age of the twenty seven bachelor seasons, no matter how old our bachelor is, whether it's a thirty eight year old Brad Womack or a thirty 36- six or thirty five year old Ari or a thirty five year old Nick, it does not matter. The women are always gonna be in their mid twenties, a majority of the cast, and and you have the numbers around that, right? Yep. Nick
1: Vial, his cast was the fifth youngest cast ever
0: (laughs) yeah and he was 30 Um, i think he was 35 when he filmed this season maybe 36 yeah
1: oh sorry let me correct myself not ever so the data that i look at goes back to lorenzo's season so seasons nine through 27 which is a lot of seasons but um yeah the average age fluctuates between the youngest cast was ben higgins at 25.14 and then the oldest cast was clayton's which was 27.55 So so that's two years, two year difference.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They're always right in that mid twenties range, no matter who it is. Like I said, I mean, it's not like when they had Brad or Ari or Nick, they went up to, okay, well we got to have at least 20 of our 30 women be in their late twenties and early thirties. No, like you said with Nick from seasons nine to 27, Nick was 35 and he had the fifth youngest cast, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter. The bachelors can stay, 25 26 like Zach is what's or Zach is about to be 27 or something like that and then the women will always stay the same whereas bachelorette yeah doesn't really matter the age of the bachelorette the men are kind of it, it skews a little bit older right aren't they like in the 27 to 29 range average
1: yeah I don't have the numbers in front of me but the average is like a year or two older
0: yeah yeah and it's like okay that makes sense and you know our bachelorettes. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Claire was over 30. Rachel was over 30. And uh, there weren't many, right? I, I don't think there were many over 30 bachelorettes. They were all in their 20s. Was the yeah, only, I'm. Totally Those only two that come to mind. I know I'm probably missing somebody that I that maybe was 30.
1: Yeah, I think either Gabby or Rachel were were over 30. One of them was 31. Um
0: Oh, Gabby, so, yeah. Gabby's, Gabby's over 30, yeah. And it was Andy Dorfman in her 30s when she was Bachelorette?
1: Andy was 26.
0: <laughs> oh, excuse me. Sorry, Andy. <laughs> um, uh, the only
1: people over the age of 30 were Trista.
0: Oh, yeah, Trista.
1: And there was no one between Trista and Rachel Lindsay. Rachel Lindsay was 32. And then after Rachel Lindsay, we had Claire at 39. And then... Uh, Gabby at 31 that's okay it. yeah so four yeah I
0: forgot Gabby um, yeah and then the men yet probably had an average age of around 20, 29 29 okay so yeah I mean I think and, and this season where are we at uh, where are we at with age on this season
1: Um, Zach's average cast age is 26.03 it is the seventh youngest cast but again it, it's all within two years so it's yeah it's really that that big of a difference
0: and what is it is Zach 26 27 what is he i am was forgetting
1: zach was 26 during filming his birthday is i think july something okay um but what i like to tell remind people especially if you've been watching this show for a while is that the cast isn't getting younger we're just we're unfortunately all getting older yeah
0: we're <laughs> exactly we're all we're the ones getting older the cast is certainly not getting any uh the cast is certainly not getting any older um now, something happened that happened at the end of, or happened, I guess, during Rachel and Gabby's season that I must have missed this. I didn't see this. I didn't see what was said, but it is now part of your um, Instagram bio. <laughs> Tino's dad called you a nerd? What <laughs> What happened? What did he say? What, how did I miss this?
1: <laughs> yeah, so... I think it was Reddit that found it. They found Tino's dad's Facebook page. And apparently he had been Shocker. choosing some posts to be public. And he wrote, I think it was the premiere episode or maybe the second episode saying, no, don't worry. Our son Tino's still on the show. He got uh, less screen time than a suitcase or something like that. Um, so he's like using my data. And then he like puts in parentheses, what kind of nerd collects or what kind of nerd does this? <laughs> I was like, bro, you're using my data. Like, don't call me a nerd if you're actually using it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, yeah, so it's almost like he's, it, 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 the joke is almost on him. He's like insulting you, but yet he's insulting you, yet he's using your info. It's like, hey, do you not see yep. what you're doing here? Um, yeah,
1: it's funny too because typically the only people who really come at me for my account are typically end up being men. Like, and it doesn't happen often, but the number of times that men will like slide into my DMs being like, let me give you a little bit of advice, sweetheart. You should really use a little bit less pink if you want to be taken professionally and get a real data analyst job. And I, it's always so funny when it happens. Like, sometimes I'll reply to be like, bro, I'm self employed. Like, I don't, I'm not looking for a data analyst job. Like, I'm good.
0: (laughs) I, I, I didn't even notice. I mean, yeah, your highlights are pink, but I, everything else is, I would say if I sc- I'm scrolling your you know bachelor data on Instagram right now, I'd say purple is 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 kind of a, a color that you use a lot. Pink is really yeah. actually now that I look at it, pink is really only for your highlights. I I mean, you, yeah. have, you have a pink jacket that you wear in a few of your videos or a pink top. Yeah. Um but I think it's that.
1: interesting because that when it comes down to it, like this misconception with Tino's dad and like the, some of the hate that I get from men. It's like the core of it it comes down to is a thorough misunderstanding of what data visualization is, because the number one thing that you have to keep in mind with data visualization, if you have data that you are trying to portray in a graphic, is number one, who is your audience? Number two, what is the story you're trying to tell? So my audience, and I know this because of Instagram analytics and TikTok analytics, is 96% women. Mm. So... I'm going to create graphics that are geared towards women, Um, you know, so whenever people come into my DMs being like, you know, you should really make more professional graphics. And I'm like, why? Like, this is my audience. We're watching a dating reality TV show. I don't need to make like an uptight graphic that I have to worry about presenting to some male board of directors. Like, this is, I'm making great graphics that are Working just fine for my
0: audience. Thank yeah. You. <laughs> you're. I mean, you're a self-made woman based on everything that you've done and how you've built this up from, you know, from less than 10,000 followers the first time that you were on my podcast to now at 130,000. You've got classes that you teach, uh, Excel classes, spreadsheet classes, uh, you know, you just scrolling your um, Instagram feed, your content is, you know, spot on and it's very eye-grabbing. It's not plain at all. I mean, this is this is stuff that I and you know you've 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 built such a niche for yourself that you are going on you know other podcasts even within the Bachelor world are having you on as guests. Um, Us Weekly is having you on as guests. You know, a few years ago, that would be kind of unheard of for somebody doing something like this about the show. And you're you're really the only person that's doing this, which is really cool, you don't have a lot of competition out there. No one's putting up these numbers that you are. Whereas anybody could, they just have to dedicate the time to it. And there's nobody in America, in all of the United States, that's willing to dedicate the time to put out the information that you are, even though they could, because it's available to everybody.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. There is actually an account that even ripped off my username. It's like a shortened version of it, but they put out like one graphic every three to four months. And I think that... (laughs) What a lot of people realize when they try to do this is how much time it takes, which I'm really grateful. I just hired on yesterday, actually, um, a part-time data analyst to help me with some of the screen time collection and the work that I do, just because, especially with all the like, TikTok video creation, it's just so time-consuming. But it's really, it's really exciting, and I one of the things that I want to do, especially this season, is really start to put more time into the second account that I have called the Data Creative. You know, I I put out a few videos on it of like Excel tips, but I really want to start growing some more knowledge for the everyday Excel user to learn data visualization because it is it's just not accessible right now. There's just not a lot of resources online. Most of it is like having to do classes through universities on how to truly learn data visualization that I want to make it more accessible to other people so that other people can do this, too, because I think a lot of people are like, wow, I could never do this. And it's like, yes, you can. Like it's so accessible and you can be a nerd too that people will call out. But like <laughs> you're going to be, you are going to be the favorite on your team because everybody is going to want you to be on their team to, for you to do the cool stuff for them. Like it's, you know, it's, it, it's a really cool skill that really isn't that difficult. There just aren't a lot of resources online for it.
0: And I think because you've created your own niche for it, I doubt anybody is going to take up the opportunity to like compete with you and, and do bachelor stuff because this is data. This is stuff that has all happened. So it's not like they can present anything different. They would have to just present different data that maybe you aren't covering. But you cover everything. You cover how many words are said in, a, in an episode. Like I, I can't think of other things that would be really that more important to cover for this show. So I guess the only other thing would be to take what you're doing and just put that towards another show maybe someone does it for selling sunset or vanderpump rules or something like that to where it's the same exact thing there's a bachelor data but just for somebody else it's a selling sunset data it's a you know vanderpump yeah. data maybe there is one out there someone doing that i don't even know
1: yeah there's one for big brother that somebody started it is it is a little frustrating sometimes to see because they've like not all of their graphics but some of their graphics they just completely copied my entire design like literally down to where every like thing is placed on the graphic but um it's time consuming so props to them for doing especially for Big Brother but it's what's really been interesting this week has been the announcement of Perfect Match on Netflix which is going to be kind of like Bachelor in Paradise meets some type of competition show and I posted about it the morning it dropped and I was like oh my gosh this is so interesting and then I put a poll and I said, how many are you going to how many of you guys are going to watch because it's contestants from Love is Blind, like all the big reality TV shows from Netflix, they pulled everybody from it. And 77 percent of my audience said that they were going to watch it. So then I put up a slide like half an hour later and I said, oh, I'm thinking about doing data for this. Does anybody have a contact over at Netflix that can get me in communication with their PR team, you know, just to make it easier for me to collect data let me tell you, the entire Netflix team jumped on me so fast that it was so interesting compared to Bachelor. The Bachelor franchise will not acknowledge my presence. Like, they, they won't. And it's, and that's fine. Like, I don't think that they need to. But I find it so interesting that another TV show hmm. sees the data on my account and is like, yeah, let's work with her, whereas Bachelor doesn't work with him any content creators, like, it's been really interesting to see, especially with them trying to embrace TikTok, they'll do advertisements at the beginning of each season. And it is hilarious to see who they choose, because they choose like lifestyle TikTok creators that have like that aesthetic, but have never talked about watching The Bachelor franchise to do advertisements promoting the show. But they don't actually like Elise Myers, for example. Like she's this hilarious TikToker who makes really funny videos, and she had this this skit that she do each week on TikTok where she would be in a full black jumpsuit, like black sweatpants, black sweater, pretending to be like a producer or contestant on the show. Tell me why? Like she has five six million followers. Tell me why is the Bachelor franchise not partnering with her to promote the show at the beginning of the season?
0: Is I don't know who she. I know the name. I haven't seen her stuff, or I'm not familiar with it. Is she, is she poking fun at it though? Is that why? Is that why they're not going she after pokes her?
1: She fun at it, but not in a way that's like distasteful.
0: Okay. No, I mean it's, it, it, it's like a great question.
1: Making, it's more like making fun about how the contestants never eat the food during the one-on-one date, like that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, and she just like jokes around as like being an off. Op- Who doesn't fit into the show who's on set um but they choose people who don't even care about the bachelor franchise don't talk about it on their page anyway to do these advertisements and like they don't leverage people who like are actually working in favor of this show they go to other people it's just very interesting to see now like netflix even like the first time i put feelers out there how they are all jumping on it versus bachelor I've had like maybe one small feeler that I've put out there that has reached out to me.
0: So are you going to do something for this perfect match show on Netflix?
1: Yeah. I'm going to be covering it over on pop culture data. So it's a second account that I have for just to kind of put stuff so it doesn't flood my bachelor feed. Um, And it's been pretty exciting. I mean, within like four or five hours of being like, all right guys, I think I'm going to cover this over on pop culture data. I gained like 2000 new followers over there. So there's definitely a lot of interest for Netflix, which is no surprise. We all know Netflix has a much bigger reach than Bachelor and Hulu do. Um, so it'll be fun to, to do another show and to kind of think creatively on how that will all work.
0: Yeah, you know, the funny thing is, I saw the announcement for that show and I when I went down the cast. But as somebody who watches none of the Netflix shows... I didn't know any of the people were, so i have like, you know, and but I'm obviously someone who they're not appealing to because I don't watch Netflix reality shows. I've heard the names. I've heard the Joey Sasso's of the world. I've heard about uh, Francesca. I've heard about Chloe. Um, have you
1: watched them all? You would like them all.
0: I watched none of them. I literally, I think I watched the first season. No, I watched, sorry. I watched two seasons of Too Hot to Handle, and I know that some of the people from those seasons, I think Francesca and Chloe, uh, are on it, but those are the only ones. I've never watched The Circle. I've never watched Love is Blind. I've never watched The Mole. I've never watched um, whatever the other ones are. I, I've, I've watched two seasons of The First Two Seasons of Too Hot to Handle, and that's it. So and I don't you, you have an extensive background Walt- in these people.
1: Mole actually originally aired on ABC from 2001 through 2008, and it just yeah. rebooted on Netflix in 2022. It was really good.
0: Isn't that the one when it when it first appeared on ABC? Wasn't that the one Anderson Cooper hosted it? Didn't he? Oh,
1: good question. I don't know. I okay. was 11 years old, so I didn't okay. watch it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember commercials for it and stuff like that. And I want to say that Anderson Cooper was the host. Uh, no, I never watched it back then. And I know oh
1: my god, I- you're right. He was a baby.
0: Oh wow! And they also had a celebrity mole season. I remember that because Heidi. Mm. Oh, I was. I want to say Heidi and Spencer were on it but that was Celebrity Get Me Out of Here or something ridiculous. So maybe it wasn't Mole. But I know they did a Celebrity Mole season. And no, I never watched it. The one I got into and the one I promoted for the last week that I really liked was The Traders on Peacock. Uh, you don't, know.
1: don't spoil me. I haven't watched it yet. Are you and going to? Violent. Yes.
0: Okay. Yeah, I won't spoil it. But it's really, really good. And and people that have uh, messaged me since then said it's. I guess it's similar to uh, The Mole. Now... I had uh, Rachel Riley from the big brother and other shows on as my guest. And, mm-hmm. you know, we were talking about future seasons and I mean, I'm sure, you know, the cast for um, oh, yeah. the traders is, is, is 10 reality show people. And then 10 normal people. I think it'll be interesting to do a full season of all reality people for the traders and maybe even a full season of all normal people for the traders. But I get why season one, they wanted to, you know, kind of attract you with, Hey, Hey, some of your favorite reality stars are on our first season of the traders. So I, I get why they did it, but they could easily pull off a season of just 20 contestants that are not famous. And they could easily pull off a season of 20 contestants where they're all reality show people. I, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. I know you'll like it. It's really good. I loved it. Sweet. Yeah. Let me know. Let me know when you start watching it and let me, um and, and give me a heads up because uh, you'll like it. You'll probably rip through it and probably I don't know how much free time you have, but um, you'll probably rip through it in about two days. You could probably get through five episodes in one day and five the next. Maybe it takes you a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but you'll want to keep watching because you'll want to see how it goes. And, uh, yeah, it's really good and um, really well done. It's gotten a lot of great reviews. I know, you know, podcast guest Andy Denart from Reality Blurred absolutely loves it. It's his favorite reality Mm -hmm. show of the year. And, um, yeah, it's really good. You'll like it. Check it out. Um, but, uh, wanted to just wrap up with this. Um, we don't know what's going to happen with Zach season. As you said, he's at what 60, 67,000 followers right now. Is that what you said?
1: Followers. Yeah. He has, <laughs> uh, and on TikTok, he has 500 followers, which he doesn't even use, but he has 60. Ironically he had, oh wait, no, I misread that. Yeah. He has 67, 60, 60 ah, 67,000 followers right now.
0: And so our last bachelor was Clayton, and he's at 284 right now, which is pretty much right where I, uh, I think I'm at 270. But yeah, I mean, bachelor leads just don't get to those numbers. It's just, for whatever reason, the main guy doesn't. Um, Clayton's obviously probably the lowest. I don't think anyone's lower than 284 outside of Zach. But we had this discrepancy last season with gabby and rachel it's like why was gabby pulling in you know 70 percent more followers than and then rachel was when they were you know supposedly not competing against each other or whatever and I, i don't even know if we'll ever get a real answer to that why people chose to follow gabby over rachel um did gabby hit a million yet
1: no i don't she got close to it i'm looking right now so oh no she did she did hit a million i made a graphic about it um and i think she's dropped already. She didn't hit a million though until Dancing with the Stars. So she the night of the finale she was at 802,000 and Rachel was at 473,000. And i think i mean the big the obvious answer there are the edits. Like i i had so many data requests during Dabby and Rachel's season to do an analysis on how much Rachel was crying that and people were saying it in a very negative way versus Gabby was coming across as, like, the quirky girl. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think Gabby Gabby's dropped already below a million.
0: What is Rachel at now? Not that she's going to be gaining anything right now because she's not doing anything TV-wise.
1: Gabby's still at a million, so she's at 1.055 million. Dancing with the Stars really helped her, um, and especially the rumors about her and Benny being together. But uh, Rachel's at, like,
0: almost half of that. She's at 537,000. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty, and you know, we don't, we don't know who the next bachelorette's going to be. It's probably going to be from, you know, Zach's batch of women is my guess. And, you know, we'll have to just see how that plays out, but I'm guessing whoever it is, is going to do more than Zach for sure. (laughs) Um, Yeah. You know, they'll be in the, it's just a matter of, are we looking at, like you said, back in the day, you could just appear on this show. And immediately, if you lasted long, compete in the million range uh, to get there as a million followers. Now, to get there, I don't even know. I Gabby, I guess, is our last person to hit a million, but she was a contestant and then a lead. Uh, I would think most leads can get there, maybe. But, and it has to be a bachelorette lead. Contestant-wise, are we ever going to see a contestant who never gets the lead role Hit a million? I don't know. Um, I don't think we will. No. I've uh, talked my head.
1: As more and more TV show options are available with every passing year, like here we were talking about The traders, and then we were talking about a Netflix show, like there's just so many more TV shows to draw people's interest that Bachelor's got to really start to try to keep up with the times and start to change what they do, play nice with their con- – the majority of their contestants there's no way to play nice with all of them if you're gonna make people into villains but i think it's also not just that though is the contestants actually need to start trying like i could drop some names right now i mean people complain in my dms all the time about certain people especially from paradise that are beloved by so many people but their their instagram social media presence is so boring like they just don't put any effort into it and then they're just like chugging out ads all the time and it's like Put some effort into it. Make some good content. What's going to engage your audience? Teach them something. Like, give us something.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Don't just get on there and be like, oh, I can promote this lip gloss or, oh, I can promote this concealer or this foundation. Because after a while, that doesn't show – people want to follow you because they want to see if they can relate to you or whatever. And if all you're doing is ads, that doesn't show your personality at all, really. You know, you've got to be – It doesn't have to be, you don't have to be like knee slappingly funny. It would help if you put some good content out there and you put some thought into it, but there's no thought putting into just add, 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 add. There's, there's nothing there and you're not going to engage your audience by doing that. So it's a really, I mean, I I wish more people listened to you, more contestants listened to you on the show and, um, you know, and, and developed their, accounts a lot better and you could almost be a coach for that. You can tell them <laughs> maybe not what to do, but this is how you should go about doing it and, you know, lead them in the right direction. But Susanna, thank you so much uh, for coming on. I really appreciate it. You can check her out at, at, bachelor data at pop culture data and at bachelor creative. You've still got your sh- um, classes that you teach on Excel. That's on your, the links are on your bachelor data Instagram profile. So just go there Click on those if you're interested in that. Um, And we will definitely have you on again as we roll into probably paradise season. Um, We'll see, uh, you know, where are people at for this season and where they're at follower wise and kind of go from there. But uh, good luck in your recovery as well. And uh, we will talk to you within the next few months for sure.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me.
0: You got it. Thanks. Thank you so much, Susanna, for coming on. What a great guest. I'll always take credit for being one of the first people to have her on the podcast. She had less than 10,000 followers. She's now up to 130,000 followers. This is now her full-time job. She is a self-made woman, people, and her content is outstanding. So go check it out at, at Bachelor Data, at Pop Culture Data, and at Bachelor Creative. So many different things. I mean, she talks about stuff and dissects stuff and gives you charts and graphs for things that you would never even think about in regards to the show. But I think her biggest ones and the ones that I always usually link to are screen time and sometimes words. But I think screen time is her biggest thing that she does at the end of every episode within 30 to 45 minutes of the episode ending. You have a breakdown of who got the most screen time. And I think that's key because the more someone is on their screen on your screen, watching it on Monday nights, the more you're inclined to either like them or dislike them. And clearly or follow them. And clearly the people who get the most screen time get more followers. It's pretty simple, but it's really interesting to look at her stuff. So go check it out at bachelor data as always. Thank you uh, for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Please rate, subscribe and review in Apple podcasts. Uh, the other two podcasts are up the, in the reality see podcast feed, you have your daily roundup for today is up talking a little bit about more of the spoilers that I released yesterday and a couple updates on that. And then the Sports Daily is up on a separate feed. You can find that feed in my Twitter or Instagram stories as well where I just talk sports. So thank you all for tuning in. Really appreciate it. For Susanna Summers, I'm Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. I will talk to you next week. See ya!